Well, as I said, we do have a lot to be thankful for. Um, 2020 and now 2021 have been, they have been discouraging years, haven't they? I, uh, I want to tell you some statistics. So many churches are struggling right now. The guys who do church research, like the Barna Group and Lifeway and um, Christianity Today and so many of these, uh, they are estimating that one out of five churches will not survive the pandemic in the United States of America. 20% of the churches are going to go out of business um, before the pandemic's over. And they're telling us now it's up to 30% of pastors who will end up out of ministry by the end of the pandemic. 30%, almost one out of three. I am so thankful that God has kept our SEC family, kept our church viable, uh, alive. Not even just have we survived, but um, he has helped us to thrive during this time. And I don't take that for granted. I want to thank God. Um, Most of our Stones of Remembrance stories are at least this first week, are about the first seven years of our church, of Seminole Community Church's first seven years before we actually located onto this property. And sometimes people are like, Pastor Jerry, you know, you tell these stories, and they're from so long ago. It's like, and for some of our young people, like, I wasn't even born yet. You know, you talk about before the Internet, and they feel like that's like in the caveman days. And... Um, and I, I just have to tell you why. It's because I'm, us Dolphin fans love to live in the past, you know. I mean, we are living 50 years ago. It was the perfect season. So uh, that's why uh, we kind of dwell back there. No, I'm only kidding, uh, sort of. Um, so before we get started with kind of the history of how we got to where we are physically here, um, I just want to start telling you several what you might call coincidences. See, When we do Stones of Remembrance, I feel like God is speaking to three groups of people. First of all, many of you, this may be your first Stones of Remembrance. Uh, Maybe you've just started coming to Seminole Community Church in the last year. Um, Certainly, if it's your first Sunday and you happen to be here on Stones of Remembrance Day, I believe, like a lot of other people in the past, God's like said, yep, this is your church. Um, Because you're going to hear some stories and kind of feel like you're part of the crowd. God's fast-forwarding your connection here by about a year. The other group of people, for those of us who've been around a long, long time, it's neat to kind of have God reinvigorate your faith through some of these stories that many of us have lived through. And the third group of people are you students, high school students, middle school students. My goal is if you come here every year that you will remember these stories. You may never remember a sermon, but you will remember the slogans and you will remember the, the stories that we tell. So I just want to tell you about a couple of coincidences, and you've got to decide. Uh, Young people, you've got to decide, are these coincidences, or are these God intervening, like I think he has, or are these miracles, like I think many of them are? You've got to make that decision. Your faith has to become your faith. You can't have just your mom and dad's faith. You've got to decide, you know, is is Pastor Jerry crazy, or did these things really happen, kind of a thing. Um, So let me just tell you about two quick things that happened just in the last 18 months. Um, look, three years ago for our Chest of Joash offering, um, we, the big project, we usually take on a big project every year. The big project that year was to build a video ministry. Now, prior to that, I always felt like video ministry was something for the big churches, the mega churches, the mega bucks churches, 
right? In fact, I have said in the new member class before, you'll never see us on TV. You know, prior to Internet, you had to pay tons and tons of money to be on television. Um, now, obviously, I still felt like it was expensive, but three years ago, I had three or four families in my small groups who were traveling. They would travel for the summer. Or I had one guy who was working with a company that had him located in, in uh, the Carolinas, and he could only make it back like four times a year. And he said, he, we went to lunch one day. He's a good friend of mine. He said, Jerry, I, I wish I could watch my church online. Not just these mega churches, which is what he was doing to, to be fed on Sundays, but it would be so nice to be able to watch my church online. So I asked Pastor Rich, I said, how much do you think it would cost uh, to uh, have, start a video ministry? Um, because at the same time they were asking me this, there were two churches locally in our, in our area that started uh, streaming their services online, and neither of them are big mega bucks, mega, mega churches. So I'm thinking, well, if they can afford it, how, you know, how, how much could this cost? Pastor Rich and his team put together a price tag of about $10,000, which is a lot of money, but it wasn't like 100 or 150000 which is what I was expecting just a few years ago. So I said, well, let's use this money from Chest of Joe Ash and start this. And it took, it wasn't the money that was a problem. It took almost a year, a whole year of getting the bugs out of the system so that we could then have what we called an acceptable level of video going out. And I wrote down all the issues that they had. They had, I don't know what these mean, most of them, but that's why I had them write them down for me. Um, you can nod your head and act like you know what I'm talking about. They had hardware issues. They had cabling issues. They had bandwidth issues. I honestly thought we were putting the band on the diet when he said bandwidth issues. I thought, what's wrong with the band? We, you know, um, I don't, they had it, router issues. I grew up, Nancy's dad was a woodworker, so a router was a wood tool to me. Um, they had server issues, not the kind that you have in a restaurant. Um, they had provider issues, you name it. They had they had the wrong kind of cable from Bright House Spectrum. They had the wrong kind of cabling. Uh, cat 4 needed to be a Cat 5 or a Cat 6 or Cat, I don't know, nine lives on a cat. They had a lot of work to do that whole year to get us to where we could have an acceptable level of video going out, even though the sound was kind of glitchy sometimes. But by the end of that year, we were streaming on the World Wide Web, and then we made another decision, or I felt like God led us to another decision in May of 2019, um, we made a big investment in digital sound. The previous Christmas, I had gone down to our friends at Entertainment Arts. Uh, they've been the people who've been doing our sound and, and um, equipment um, since the very beginning. The guys at EA uh, had this giant soundboard. I mean, the size of a piece of plywood, basically. It was uh, like four feet by seven feet, and it was this giant Allen & Heath 48 channel million little knobs soundboard exactly like the one we had and it was leaning up against the wall and i said oh my gosh that looks like our soundboard he said it is it's the exact same model as yours i said what are what's wrong with it this is nothing they're sending it to haiti and i'm like they're sending it to haiti oh my goodness she said yeah this this church is donating it to haiti because they've moved their sound to this digital console which is about this big SR7, SR6, something like that. And um, I said, well, what's the, because we paid $9,000 for that soundboard in 2006. I said, what is, it, what is it worth now? And they said, 500 bucks. 
I said, $500? It's 500 pounds. That's like a dollar a pound. And um, he says, yeah, if you sold it, nobody would ship it. It'd have to be local. It'd have to be some, you know, 80s rock guy that had to have, you know, the old analog system. He says, worth about $500. And I said, that's crazy. I said, so how much is the digital sound count console? And he looks at his partner and he says, how much are these? Are these 26, 27? And um, I'm thinking $27,000. And uh, he says, 27. I said, 27,000? He says, no, 2,700. And my eyes got even bigger. I'm like, $2,700? I said, we, you know, how much would it cost for us to make this leap to digital sound? So we did that. It was $19,000 total. We spent over $10,000 on video, spent $19,000, get rid of all the monitors up here and to convert everything to digital sound. You say, isn't that extravagant? Isn't that, and that's why we drug our feet for so long. He says, Jerry, your soundboard is seven generations old at this point. And then we added to that that summer, changing over to digital ears. They have monitors in their ear, and that's what drove up the sound. Each one of these little stations up here, see these little guys over here? Uh, every, every musician has one. It's about a, it's about a $750 to $1,000 setup at each station so that they can customize the digital mix that comes into their ears. Again, I'm telling you stuff that I can say really easy, but I don't really understand any of that. Um, it just makes it a lot better for them. Then that January, so we spent all summer of 2019 making those adjustments and it was a it was a big learning curve for some of our I've never done it this way before uh, we had to make a lot of adjustments then in last January so that's January 2020 can anybody even remember January 2020 that was like the last normal month it really was you know because February was normal for some of us because we just weren't watching the news um, but but that's when everything started to go sideways so in January before that Josh, um, who's our, our band leader, worship leader, and um, Van, who plays drums, they came to me in January. Right after we did the whole budget and all that, they said, hey, 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 this cool thing has just come out. They have an app, multi-tracks, where we can, now that we have digital ears, we can buy our music and, and it'll save it to the cloud. We can edit our own songs, own that music, in all of the instrumentation, however many instruments there are, in every key, and it's only like $50 a month plus this initial investment of about $3,000 to convert all of our music over. And Josh is like, Dad, it'll save me probably four or five hours a week of staff time if I'm able to, if we're able to do this. And I'm like, oh, I wish we'd have had this in the budget, but you know what? Yes, let's go ahead and do this. So we total spent about $40,000 over about a 13-month period to do the video, the digital sound, the ear things, and now this multitrack. So I'm telling you all this for a reason. And, and then Josh throws in, oh, by the way, they have this cool feature that um, if bass player is sick on Thursday nights for rehearsal or keyboard player can't make it on Sunday, you can hit a button and dub them in and invisible keyboard player shows up. And you don't even see her, and it, or the invisible bass player shows up and, and puts it in there, and nobody even knows. It, it's, it's perfect perfect instrumentation. I'm thinking, well, that's cool, but we'll never use that. Um, so what ends up happening, of course, is COVID hits, right? Um, every church in America, March the 14th was the Saturday. March 15th was the first time 
They put limits on churches. By March the 22nd, you weren't allowed to have anybody in here. Ten people were all we could have on campus. Do you remember those days? We had eight weeks where we had no church at all. And in the middle of that, Easter hit. We had no church that Easter. I never would have thought that would ever happen in my life. And in one week, March 15th to 22nd, in one week, every church in America tried to get online. They tried to do what we did in a year, tried to work out all the bugs. And everybody, you know, many churches, it was too hard. So they just did pull up in the parking lot. We'll broadcast it over the radio. A lot of churches did that. A lot of churches just said face, you know, Facebook Live. They just Facebook Live, and you watch the shaky version of, of church. Um, and then a lot of churches tried to do what we did, which was grab up all the gear, and there was hardly any gear left because every church in America tried to jump online. Not to mention all the software and all the server and bandwidth issues and all the other stuff. I believe that when COVID hit, especially during that time where we only had 10 people, we had 10 people in our band some weeks. We could only have 10 people here. We were able to dub in keys and dub in bass and dub in just press a button. And then later when we were allowed to have 50 people here and have live church again, even though it was all spread out, remember how it was like, hey, you know, we couldn't pass an offering and plate anymore. By the way, did you see that? Offering plate just went away altogether after that. Um, you know, when we could have 50 people on campus, but sometimes someone, because of work, they couldn't be here for the band or because uh, they were exposed, so they had to do their 10-day quarantine kind of thing. Remember all those? And um, we were able to just dub those in. It was like the greatest feature ever. Now, young people, those of you who watch on, you are taking advantage of that today. You're able to watch TV or your computer or your phone and see us live just like you're here i believe god had us made those three decisions way ahead of the curve so that when COVID hit and we had we didn't have to scramble we were helping churches we were offering our stage for pastors to come in and video their sermon so then they could just go put it on facebook um, i believe that those decisions that god allowed us to make or caused us to make weren't just coincidences those those adjustments those sacrifices got us ready for 2020. And I choose to believe that they're kind of like divine interventions where God says he either provides or he provides direction. And sometimes he does a downright miracle where you're just sitting there going, nobody could have, nobody could have planned for that. We're just not that smart. Just this, and I believe that God's been doing that, by the way, on, on our behalf here at SEC for the last 30 years. Just this past summer, we had it happen again. This was just as the Delta variant started to explode. In fact, nobody had heard of a breakthrough case yet. Mallory's mom and my wife, Nancy, were the first two breakthrough cases in our church. Um, that was like the this first week of July, second week of July. We sent our kids to youth camp over in a passion camp over in Daytona. We sent like 70 over. And when they came back, we started noticing five, six, seven, eight adults, and seven, eight, nine, twelve kids that we know of and many others probably uh, were testing positive for COVID. Um, it was, it, we, we, were, we were on the cusp. We were on the cutting edge of the Delta variant. You know, we, we weren't behind the ball on that. We were, we were way out in front. And, um, and as we were trying to keep track of what was going on, 
we had to make a decision about Vacation Bible School, which was in two weeks after the camp was over. One week later uh, was between them. And, and we did not want to cancel Vacation Bible School. We canceled the year before because we, we had to. Everything was shut down. Um, but we also, so we're praying and praying and praying for direction. We also did not want to expose 200 kids. We had 200 kids signed up for, and paid for VBS. VBS was already planned. The T-shirts were already here. And... Um, and we didn't want to cancel because we felt like we could do VBS, even without the eight or ten kids of volunteers and the, eight or, the six or eight adults that we, that we were going to lose. Um, and we were praying that Tuesday, the Tuesday before VBS started on Monday, I told the staff, I don't know what to do. We need to pray that God will speak, that he will be clear, that we will know what to do. Because I didn't want to have 200 kids in here being exposed to C-19 and then right the week before school starts and then end up as a national media story kind of a thing. And, and remember, the spike hadn't really happened yet. It was happening, but people weren't, they weren't reporting it yet. It wasn't hitting the news yet, but boy, we were right in the middle of it. So here's what happened. You decide if this was a coincidence or not. So we're praying, praying, praying. And I told everybody at staff meeting on Tuesday, I will dis- we will decide, we'll make the decision by Friday morning. By Friday, we have to let people know if we're going to cancel VBS or if we're on for VBS. So literally five days before that, that, uh, that Tuesday or Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, a huge storm came through. It was like an unnamed storm. It blows through, lightning bolt, boom. And our AC guy, Scott, calls me that Wednesday afternoon and says, Jerry, our AC compressor, uh, got struck in the in the uh, in the storm last night, and the AC compressor to the air in the auditorium. He said is dead to the ground. Is exactly how he put it. And I said, Oh, you're kidding. He says, But I was able to find the last compressor in the United States, which was crazy talk to me because I'm thinking this is before we knew about the supply chain junk. And I'm thinking, How can it be the last compressor? He says, I found one in Texas, and if we pay $300 expedited. Um, delivery, I'm thinking expedited, he's going to be like overnight. He says, we'll have it in seven days. That's not all that expedited, is it? I'm thinking, we can drive to Texas and pick this up. And we were talking about that. Drive there and pick it up and be back here in 36 hours. Um, But as soon as he told me it was going to be seven days, I felt like God was saying, there's your answer. We're canceling VBS. Because there's no way we can have 300 people in this auditorium, 100 volunteers and 200 kids in the sweltering July heat, you know, sweating to the oldies kind of a thing. So made the decision, okay, God, I hear you loud and clear. You spoke with a lightning bolt, literally, and we're going to cancel Vacation Bible School. So I sent out that email to everybody saying, I'm so sorry, and um, we canceled. And then we found out that while I was on the phone making the decision about the $300 compressor, somebody else bought it, and now there were no compressors. And it was going to be six to seven weeks without air in this auditorium. Six to seven weeks. So I said to everybody, you guys got to pray, pray, pray. And um, we started thinking about what can we do, what kind of contingencies can we make, you know, can we knock a hole in this wall and put an AC unit out there to blow in? Is there a way we can do church in the woods, you know, in the shade? Um, we talked about, seriously, maybe we just go to online church. Nobody's going to come if there's no air, you know. Um, maybe we just do online church or, or pavilion church only for, during the time. So Scott, our AC guy, says, well, listen, let me email 
I'm going to email the VP, the regional vice president of Goodman Carrier, to see if they would replace the whole outside unit, not just a compressor. There are no compressors. But would they replace the whole outside unit under warranty for the whole the condenser, you know, several thousands and thousands of dollars? And um, he emailed them, no, no reply, no answer. And we're praying and praying. So, Scott, the miracles start happening when people start praying. By the way, I don't know if there's anything that will get Floridians on their knees begging God for help than the, better than the words, no air conditioning. <laughs> this church started praying. Um, and then the miracles started happening. Scott, Scott Griffith walks into the Orlando branch uh, distributor for uh, the supplier for Goodman Carrier that Friday. So that's two days later. The day I'm sending out the word that we don't have, we don't have air, you better pray. Um, and he says to the, to the manager there, hey, I've been trying to get a hold of the regional vice president to let him know what my church's situation is. Um, do, you, do you have any idea how I can get a hold of him? The guy says, yeah, he's right over there. He happens to be in Orlando on the very Friday. Scott walks in. He's from like Atlanta or Charlotte or something. And um, Scott says, oh, uh, will you go see if I can meet with him? He says, I'll just go tell him your story. So he goes over there. They approve it on the spot for us to get our 10-ton unit replaced out there. And they set it up for the following week. And this is where it gets really crazy, crazy, crazy. Scott goes and picks up the AC unit. He says the parts supervisor, as they're loading it up, looks at the computer screen and says, hmm, that's the last 10-ton unit in the country. I've never seen this before. Scott texts me his reply, and he says, Jerry, this is getting weird. Y'all, we got the last 10-ton air conditioning unit in the entire United States of America. Are you kidding me? And God, I think, allowed our unit to blow up. We struck it with lightning so we would clearly know, yep, time to cancel VBS to keep these kids safe. Now, young people, you're going to have to decide, are these all coincidences? Is Jerry crazy? Is, are these God giving clear direction or God providing or sometimes God working a miracle? This is why these are some of the probably the two most exciting weeks for me of the entire year because it really is, for those of you who are new, we had some new people for the first service, they're like, man, I'm going to go back and listen to the last couple of years because they feel, you know, I mean, they've been coming for about six months. This is their church, but now they kind of know all the inside. The in, they feel a part of it again. And for those of you, if this is your first time ever and you're here, God's got you here for a reason, I think. Um, and then there's those of us who, who have been, I told Nancy yesterday, what I do the Saturday before Stones of Remembrance is I go listen to the last three years' worth of stories, both services. So that's like six hours' worth of. And, I, you know, several times I teared up yesterday, and I just told Nancy, I said, nothing fires me up like Stones of Remembrance, listening to all the stories from years past. But I also told her this, I said, I don't think I, I would believe this. If I was an outsider and I just heard these stories, they're just too... I have a hard time believing it sometimes, and I live through it. I know it's true, but it still feels like, man, they're not going to believe me, Lord. If, 
if we were to go to a long dinner, let's, let's say you've been coming to the SEC for two or three months and we, we caught a coffee or we caught a dinner and you were to say to me, well, Jerry, t- tell me the story about SEC. Tell me uh, how did it get started and what's it all about? Here's what I would say. I've said this to dozens and dozens of people. I've said, look, Seminole Community Church, it's a miracle that we're still here. It's a miracle we're even here. We shouldn't even exist. Um, we shouldn't have made it. We were kicked out of three out of the first four places we ever, we ever met. And there were so many times where our church flatlined, where it was like, beep, and God just brought out the paddles, and, and it was like, oh, another Sunday, you know. And, um, and, and I would tell you, if we were sitting there, I would say, you know what? You should come in November, come to Stones of Remembrance, because that's where I unpack it all, and I tell the story about how we got to where we are. Now, I will give you a warning. Not a warning, just, just an announcement. Um, but for those of you who are brand new, this is what you need to know. So this week, next week, and Mother's Day are the three weeks of the year that I reserve like an extra 15 minutes. So we're going to get out instead of 12, we're going to get out 12.15 uh, today. So do you need a bathroom break? Run. You don't want to listen to the story. Um, get over there, and don't worry. Your kids will be fine. Uh, we'll give them extra donuts and sugar them up real good so they can go home with you and take it out on you. Um, I'll squeeze in as much as I can. I've got to get you to the same stopping point as, as last uh, service. And then next, year, next week I'll tell everything I can tell. I've got some huge miracles to tell. But this is when you become kind of part of the SCC family. For, you know, for centuries, families have been gathering and sharing the stories of their heritage. Maybe a thousand years ago was a feast day and they brought a bunch of tribes together and they all sat around the campfire and, you know, the tribal chief or the great-great-grandfather started telling the stories about how they, how they got to that point. Um, it's, it's, uh, I grew up in the 70s, so I like to say I remember watching Little House on the Prairie where um, Little Joe, uh, when he was from uh, Bonanza, Michael Landon started playing uh, Charles Engel's Paw and uh, at their... At their holiday time, he would grab the fiddle and they'd play, they'd dance around. And, and then Laura Ingalls Wilder, who's famous for writing her books that that series is based on, she would say, Pa, tell us about the, the story of the big journey or tell us about the blizzard or tell us about crossing the river. All those stories that she's penned um, so many years ago. Um, and they would share the stories of their family heritage. You probably remember when you were a kid. Remember it's your family. Maybe your family had a big feast for Thanksgiving, and, and they had all of your cousins over and all of your aunts and uncles over, and they lined up a big table in the living room and added a table and added a table and added a table. And you remember that first time where you went from the kids' table to the adult table? You weren't really an adult, but you're like in your teens, and somebody didn't make it that year, or somebody passed on and went to their heavenly Thanksgiving, and, and now you were too big for the macaroni and cheese and peanut butter and jelly table, so you got to move over to the turkey and mashed potatoes table, and at that point, some aunt said, tell them about the such and such. Oh, tell them about so-and-so. Remember that time we did such and such? And they would all enjoy hearing those stories again because they got to see it through your eyes. And you were like the first time you'd ever heard some of those stories. And some of your families, I'm sure that those were some wild, wild stories. That's exactly what we do here every year at SCC. We kind of gather on these two Sundays in November, and we talk about what God has done in the life of our church um, and this is kind of how we got here. Now, I, I, I specifically um, invite slash require the middle schoolers and high schoolers to join us for these. And here's why, students, especially you middle schoolers, 
that are paying attention really good so you don't have to be in here next week. Um, here's why I want you to hear this. Because if you come every Thanksgiving, every November from 6th grade, 7th grade, 8th grade, six years in a row, and you hear these stories over and over and over again, many of them you'll hear... Every year, some of them I'll blend in. I'll tell stories this year that I've never told before, and, uh, and I'll tell more detail, and I'll leave some things out that we just don't have time for. But I'll catch that in the next couple of years. Um, if you keep coming, my goal for you is, see, one day you're going to go off to college, and you're going to be sitting in a philosophy class. You shouldn't even take philosophy unless they make you. You're going to be sitting in um, a, a biology class. You're going to be sitting in an English literature class, and that professor... Well-meaning as they are, they think they're so smart. They're going to say to you, I know they're going to say this. They say it to our college kids right now. They've been saying it for a long time. They're going to say to you, look, everything you heard about in the Bible, this is all fake. This is all fables. These are, this is all, you know, just, just fairy tales. And it's okay for your grandparents. They needed this crutch to lean on. It's okay for your parents. They needed religion in their life. But you're too smart for this. That's what they're going to tell you. They're going to say to you when you're 18, when you're 19, when you're 20, you're 21 years old, they're going to say you're too smart to believe these fairy tales, these fables, this fake news. Instead, you need to put your trust in science. In fact, this is when all the, this time of year is when all the atheists come out. The atheists come out this time of year. I don't have anything against atheists, but look, this is when they, they, they get these billboards out and they show the, a little silhouette of the nativity and they say things like, it's a myth. This season, choose reason. And they'll have some website for some www.evolution.com or www.sciencerules.com or something like that. Look, I don't have anything against atheists. We've had some atheists that have come to this church, many over the years. And, you know, I, I know an atheist, a, a, kid, a guy who came to this church years ago as an atheist, and he actually said these words. He said, look, I don't believe in God or anything, but I like you, you guys, and uh, so I'm, I'm just going to keep coming. But do I have to believe to keep coming? Nope, you don't have to believe. And since then, he's been baptized, serves in so many of our, of our ministries. And, and, and that's true. It's a true story. He's here today. I saw him earlier. He didn't know I was going to hopefully they, no, nobody put the two pieces together. Um, Yes, here's, how, here's what I feel like. I feel like if I was an atheist too and I didn't live through this, I wouldn't believe this because it's way too unbelievable, you know. But I can tell you this, if I was an atheist and I had been in this church and saw all these things happen, I wouldn't be an atheist anymore. If I had seen that, well, if you have seen what I have seen over the last 30 years, it would take way more effort to believe that these are all just coincidences than to just say, oh, yeah, there must be a God. Maybe Jesus did rise from the dead. I think I'm just going to put my faith in that because I can't get past all these things that happened as coincidences. So I bring all that up because, young people, I want you to know our church should not exist. When I, I can back that up with statistics. One out of five churches make it. When you start a church plant, a church plant is when you start from scratch. That's what our church did. That means you don't have like a church of 500 and they get all mad at each other and 200, 200, and 100 quit going to church altogether. A lot of churches start that way. Um, it doesn't mean that a church sent 50 people, missionaries over, and they started a church. We started from scratch. When you start a church from scratch, only one out of five make it through the first year. Only one out of 25 make it 10 years. And then it gets kind of shady in the, in the statistics. For 25 years, only one church out of 400 to 1,000, depending on how, but let's just use the smaller of those numbers. 
That means 0.25%, 0.25% of one, per, one quarter of 1% of churches make it for 25 years. Folks, we're going to be celebrating our 29th anniversary um, this coming Easter or Palm Sunday. So I always start this, this message by asking the question, do you believe in miracles? Because I do. I believe that God intervenes. I believe that God directs. I believe that God provides. And sometimes he does it with, oh, my God, in the good way. That's a miracle. So let me just tell you what the Lord has done. And first of all, I want to let you know that we base this on a biblical standard or a biblical example found in the, if you've got your outline there, you'll notice that I don't have, you don't have to fill anything in. you just got to listen today. And I've given you the scriptures. I'm not going to read the scriptures. They're there for you to read. And I would encourage you to go back and read all of Joshua chapter 3, 4, and chapter 5. Uh, this week um, so that you can see the biblical example before we get did I already ask how many have been to Stones Remembrance um, how many of you have been to Stones Remembrance before raise your hand real high and proud look at that everybody came back how many of you first time ever for Stones Remembrance raise your hand yeah about half the crowd some of you seem like raise your hand twice I don't I, it's like there's more hands than people here that's okay God God's the God of miracles um <laughs> Uh, yep, I'm first time. Yep, I've been here before. Um, all right, so here's, here's what I want you to understand. The children of Israel, the Hebrews, have been wandering in the desert for 40 years at the time of this passage. Two people, 40 years early, had gone into the promised land as one of the 10, 10 spies, and uh, 12 spies. They had come back and said, hey, we can, we can take it. It was Joshua and Caleb. They're the only two people who are still part of our story now 40 years later. All of the adults had passed away in the desert. Only two were left. Not even Moses. Moses had passed away. And now they're on the edge of the promised land, about to go into the promised land. The Jordan River stands between them and the promised land, and it's that flood stage. It's going to take a miracle, biblical proportions, for them to be able to get across. Luckily, God's in the miracle business, just like they went into the wilderness when Moses, 40 years earlier, with Pharaoh breathing down their neck. You should read that story. Um, it's the story that's found in the Ten Commandments of Charlton Heston. It's also found in The Prince of Egypt, which is Spielberg's adaptation. That what, You should show that to your kids, the animated version. They go through on dry land into the, de- into the desert. They're about to come back into the promised land, also on dry ground. I'm not going to read it to you, but I'll let you know what, has, what happens, and you can read it on, on your own. God tells Joshua, have the priests take the Ark of the Covenant, step into the water, and when they do, I'm going to stop the flow. The priests grab the Ark of the Covenant, they step in. We don't know if they got into ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, but as soon as their feet hit the water, God, 17 miles upstream in a, team, in a town called Adam, God puts his hand and holds the water back, or he blows in the water, or he puts an angel force field. We don't know how he did it, but not how he did it. It's that God did it. He stopped the water 17 miles upstream, and then it all runs fast past them until it was totally dry ground. And a million men, plus their wives, plus their children, plus all of their livestock, go through into the promised land. And then 
God tells them to take a stone, take one person from each tribe and grab 12 stones and put them on the promised land side and build an altar. And he says, when your children ask you, why do we worship at this altar or remember at this altar? You can tell them these are stones of remembrance to remind us of the day that God dammed up the Jordan River and we all came through on dry ground. And that's why we do the same thing. Just like God started that whole process was talking to this one person, Joshua. God started our church by, talk, by speaking to me, by talking to me. In July of 1992, God started speaking to me about planting a church. As I said, planting a church is when you start from, from scratch. And he began tugging me in that direction. Nancy and I actually signed up for a church planting conference here in Orlando um, in September of 92. And we met other people, other young couples who were starting churches all over the state of Florida. Our problem was, well, we had many problems. We didn't have any money to start a church. Um, we had a new baby. Kristen was six months old at that time. Um, I had a struggling uh, carpet business. I was in business for myself. We were in the middle of building a house over here on Ohio Avenue. Um, we contracted for our house for the slab and for the framing to be done. And then Nancy's dad, Ben McQuarters, we just had a funeral for him a couple weeks ago. Um, we built the whole house from siding to sheetrock to cabinets to tile to roof insulation, um, trim work, the whole thing. This was before YouTube, by the way. This was before the Internet. And um, the only place you could get, like, video help was Home Depot had VHS tapes. And literally, we would pop in a VHS tape and say, this is how you hang drywall. This is how you spread mud. You know, and that's how we learned how to, how to um, I'm sure they have higher technology now. Um, so we were putting up insulation, and I felt God was calling me to start a church, but I didn't have any money. In fact, I had a law studies uh, teacher, Mr. Eckstein at Seminole High School, who said, no, let me get this straight, Walsh. You have no money. You have no people. You have no place. You have no brains, he said. <laughs> he said, who do you think is going to come to this church? And I was like, well, Mr. Eckstein, whoever God sends. You know, isn't that naive? I'm so glad I was so naive because um, if I had had – a little bit more brains, we would have never started because this is an impossible idea. But I remember saying to God as I'm over there, um, here's what I was doing. I was hanging insulation. That's that pink stuff that itches. And I'm stapling this insulation between two by fours. And I say to God, uh, because I'm listening to a tape, a cassette tape. Now, young people, middle schoolers, you probably don't know what a, a cassette tape is. High schoolers, you don't know what a cassette tape is. You've probably never seen one. But you really do know if you'll think Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt plays Quill, and that thing that he has with the little cassette with the music coming through, with the little, little orange uh, headphones, that's a Walkman. A Walkman was something that, that, that Sony invented, so they take this big, giant stereo system, and they could make it really tiny, like the size of this Bible. And you would wear this. This is about how this was small back then. This was way before Steve Jobs has ever even thought about, you know, his, the app, Apple was a little tiny, like, alternate computer back then. Um, and and I, I had this Walkman, and I'm listening to this cassette tape, you could do music or sermons, and it's way before a podcast. Um, and as I'm putting the insulation in, I'm listening to this sermon by Dr. Adrian Rogers, who was a great pastor of um, 
Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and Dr. Rogers has his big, baritone, deep voice. And he's talking about this college student who's in his office telling him, Dr. Rogers, I want to go to seminary. I believe God's calling me to seminary, but I don't have any money. As soon as he says, but I don't have any money, I put my staple gun down, and I'm like, tuned in. And Dr. Rogers says this. He says, well, if I could get a millionaire to underwrite your entire seminary experience and pay for everything, would you go? He said, I'd go in a minute. And then Dr. Rogers, I wrote this in my journal so I get it exactly right, Dr. Rogers in his deep baritone voice says, Son, if God has called you, you've got much more than a millionaire. And I realized at that moment, I don't need people or money or a place to start a church. All I need is God's call. And it's funny because when I told my pastor up in Jacksonville, that Homer Lindsay Jr., um, that, I, that I wanted to plant a church from scratch. He had done that in Miami, um, I don't know, back in the 50s. Uh, doc, uh, Dr. Lindsay looked at me and he said, Jerry, he says, all you need to grow a church to, 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 to grow a church is Jesus and a whole bunch of lost people. And I'm like, man, if that isn't just so profoundly simple. Like I said, I'm glad I was a simpleton. Um, so God began SEC by speaking to me. That's the moment I knelt down right over here in Ohio Avenue, and I surrendered to starting Seminole Community Church. And he spoke to me just like he was speaking to Joshua in chapter 3. Um, in Joshua chapter 4, that's the scripture in the middle of your outline area there. That's when he says, take the 12 men, grab the 12 stones, make yourself these stones of remembrance. Because here's what God was teaching his people. And this is what we apply. He was teaching his people the importance, the, I mean, it, it, it is so, it, the imperative, how important it is, of not forgetting the blessings of God in your life or remembering. That's what the whole month of Thanksgiving is all about. We are giving thanks to God for everything that he has blessed us with. And we come with a thankful and grateful heart. Um, if you've ever been through experiencing God, Henry Blackaby's study, Henry Blackaby talks about it being spiritual markers, that you look back in your life, this is why you should journal. You should journal and write these things down. Because he says, when you can look back and you say, you know what, God was faithful right there. And look, back then, God was faithful there. And God was even faithful when I was in college. And you know what, look, right back here, God provided. And, and God provided there too. And you know, in my first marriage, God provided there too. And you know what, God... God gave me direction. And at that crossroads, God gave me direction. And you know, God, God gave me direction way back there. And when you have those spiritual markers in your life, when you're facing a storm, when you're facing a giant standing in front of you, you're able to look back and you're able to go, you know what? I can face a pandemic because I know that God has always provided. He's always giving me clear direction. He's always sometimes even done a miracle in my life. Those Clear spiritual markers help you to put your trust in God, that he provides, that he, he intervenes and gives me direction, that he guides wherever I go. I never get tired bragging about God and everything he's done. But here, let me make this really clear, okay? I'll say it over and over again. This isn't similar community church's story. This certainly isn't Jerry Walsh's story. This is God's story. He's the one that's done all this. He doesn't need us, didn't need me. Still doesn't need us. Still doesn't need me. But he's chosen to do these stories through us and those around us. And I, 
I have some friends of mine right now that need a miracle in our church. I've got some friends who need a a physical healing miracle. I have some friends who need a marriage miracle because it has flatlined. They need God to intervene right now. I've got friends in our church who have relational, they need a relational miracle within their family of origin. And I know that you might be here, you need a miracle. I don't even know what it is. Let me just be very clear. God is still in the miracle business. And if you will surrender it all to him, not knowing how he wants to do a miracle in your marriage, in your relationship, in your health, in your situation, whatever that is. So the biggest miracles of our church I can't even tell you about because they're, they're not my story to tell. They're those people's stories to tell. But we have a lot of stories that are collectively ours that I can share. And I'll rattle these off in the next 15 minutes, um, Lord willing. We started our church, y'all, in the worst possible place you can start a church. A funeral. A funeral home. Our church was like dead on arrival when we first started. Now, let me just be really, really clear. Funeral home was not our first choice or second, or third, or fourth, or fifth, or sixth, or seventh. It was our last resort. Um, we went to several other places to try to meet, and everybody said, nope, we don't do churches here. It's a kiss of death. Um, we went to clubhouses and subdivisions. In fact, the very subdivision that I moved into last year uh, would not let us meet uh, 27 years ago in their, in their clubhouse. Nope, we don't do churches. We went to Sylvan Lake, they have a soccer complex. They said, yeah, you can meet here, but you're not guaranteed any particular Sunday. Uh, what do you mean? They said, we'll call you Saturday at noon and let you know if it's available for tomorrow. And I'm like, how do I do church? i got to call the whole church and tell them we don't have church that, that week. They said, well, you can meet outside um, on those weeks, but, you know, the soccer people take, take precedence. So that's how we ended up, that and free rent. We had free rent at the funeral home. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Um, I had a friend of mine who was... From up in Jacksonville, her name was, uh, I think it was Margaret. She was like the boss's boss's boss of the people here. And uh, she got us in there. Um, and we were there for about a year. We started with 12 people, Palm Sunday of 1993. Um, we had 30 people for our first public service. Ten of those were relatives. Ten of those were well-wishers from out of, out of town, friends and family of mine. And ten actual real people um, that came to church. And within four weeks, we went from 30, because the well-wishers don't come back the next week. They were just trying to help us get started the first week. We went from, we went from um, 30 people the first week down to 16. Four weeks in, our church almost became one of those statistics of four out of five churches don't make it. We had two missionaries there, Peg, Peggy and Cliff Matthews. They were the well-wishers that week. So we had 10 family members, two well-wishers, and four real people. Um, this is what I mean. We almost died before we ever got started. And um, Cliff told me years ago, uh, years after that, he said, Jerry, we didn't think you were going to make it. Peggy and I stayed in that funeral home parking lot and prayed. Cliff's in heaven. Sorry, I held it together first service. You guys are just a bunch of crybabies in this one. He said, we prayed for over an hour after the service and begged God to send you anybody. 
And look what he sent. Um, sorry. Um, we were there 50 weeks, and they kicked us out of a funeral home, y'all. I was mad. I was like, you can't kick us out. You know, first of all, this is like the eighth manager they had in a year because nobody wants to manage a funeral home on Sunday afternoons. If you could get a better job, you would get it, and they all did. Um, so this guy and his new manager comes in, and he's like, no, nope, you guys are way too happy because this is what we did. We brought in. Um, we brought in flowers, we brought plants, we brought in silk plants, we brought in uh, banners, we brought in um, uh, music, we changed out all their weird light bulbs, we made it bright and cheerful, and they're like, yeah, y'all are way too cheerful, we're trying to, we're grieving families over here, so um, you guys are out. And I got to tell you, I was like, he doesn't know, I know his boss's boss's boss is Margaret, I'm going to call her on Monday, and you know, if anybody gets kicked out, it's not going to be us. You know, we can get a ninth manager in here, no problem, you know. And, um, it, but I feel like God intervened that week because I went in, and what we did every – I didn't tell this story last year, so I'm so sorry. It's the only year I didn't tell it, and I got a lot of emails. Um, so I would go in and say, do we have any, any caskets to remove? Because where we met, that was where they do funerals. So there would be a casket up front. Often, and they trained me how to move a casket. And I've, uh, many of you already know this. I've deputized so many of you. Um, and if you don't know how to move a casket, I'm about to teach you. So I go in, and there's this distinguished gentleman. Obviously, he was elderly, and he was a veteran. There was a folded flag there. And I was going to go move him. Now, before you move a casket, you need to know this. should be writing it down. Um, you need to know, first of all, that they don't lay flat when they're in the casket until the very end, they're, uh, they're jacked up at about a 20, 20, about 22 degrees. They have this little crank system that crank, 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 cranks them up and crank, 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 cranks them down. And if they're, if they're at an incline, if you were to close the lid, because they have so much makeup on their face, the silk on the top of the lid will press down and transfer the makeup, and then when you open it up, it's like the ghost of Grandpa. <laughs> and people freak out over that. So it's very important you grab two tissues. And by the way, if you know home has lots of tissues, they're everywhere. You don't have to bring your own or anything like that. Uh, you just, on any row, grab two tissues, which is what I did. And I gently put the tissues on his face to make sure that it wouldn't transfer onto the lid because he was still jacked up. They didn't let you uncrank him down. You had to have a special key for that. And I went to move him. And as I, after I reverently, of course. I've done this many times, most Sundays. I grabbed, went to grab the lid. Just as I reached up to grab the lid, have you ever had the air conditioner kick on in your house and, like, slam a door or whatever? Every year I have no idea if these goosebumps are going to show up, and they do both times. Just as I go to grab the lid, it was like the air conditioner kicked on, and it was like this big whoosh went like that, and literally the tissue was like he went and the tissue stood up on end, goosebumps all over me right now, and then too, and I slammed it shut, and I said, we are out of here, God. <laughs> Message delivered. I went out to our 30 people or so, and I said, this is our last week. We're moving. And they're like, I thought we were going to fight. What about Margaret? You know, and I'm like, you just can't believe what just happened in there. And, and it was like, it was like he, he was alive. So we did. We moved out of the funeral home. Um, willingly, even though they kicked us out, to this place called Gold's Gym. Gold's Gym back then was meeting in 
We just traded one smell for another, y'all. It smelled like a funeral home and flowers the last place. It smelled like dirty, aerobic, sweaty studio at the next place. And Gold's Gym was in the Reflections Plaza out on Lake Mary Boulevard, almost near 1792. Um, it's way far away from here, especially now. Um, it's where the Seminole County Water Department is now. If you've ever had to pay your water bill or get your water turned on in Seminole County, that was our church for 16 weeks, only 16 weeks. And um, we met there. They had mirrors on all the walls. It felt like a big crowd, even though it wasn't. Um, we set up on Palm Sunday of 94 there. And that night, we got um, a phone call from Rick Friend, who was the manager of, the, of Gold's Gym. And he said, he's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. I get this call and said, he said, Reverend Walsh, we have a situation. Anytime someone calls me Reverend Walsh, it's usually not good. And um, I said, what's up? He said, the, cop, the police are here. Someone has broken in and stolen all of your sound equipment. They literally threw this 4x4. Four four. This is the 4x4 four four that they threw. I've kept it for 20, 28 years now. They threw this through a plate glass door. The doors probably were $400. They stole all of our sound equipment. Grand total on our sound equipment probably only was worth $150, $200. It was all an old JVC rack system that we had converted. Nancy's dad and I soldered all these old parts together. We had two new speakers, $75 total from Sam's. They took that. They took the JVC system. They took all these little microphones. I'm on the way to, to the Reflections Center to Gold's Gym in the middle of the night, and, I, and I'm saying to God, God, if you want to let people steal your crappy sound system, that's up to you. And then I realized... But wait a minute, there's one thing you don't own, Lord. We had borrowed the guys from Entertainment Arts, who we're still partners with. They had lent us a wireless microphone for our first Sunday, first couple of Sundays. It was, it was on loan. They weren't, even, they weren't selling it to us because it was $550, y'all. This one microphone was worth more than our whole church all put together. And if I had known there was any chance it could get stolen, I would not have even allowed them to let us borrow it. So I'm on the way telling God, God, you don't own that. You might own the sheep and cattle on a thousand hills, but you don't own that microphone. So you cannot let that microphone get stolen. Um, and I kid you not, we get there. That 4x4 four four was on the ground with a million pieces of glass. All of our sound equipment was gone except one thing, what was still there. Bare dynamic microphone. Where was it hidden? In the middle of a table, plain sight, hiding nowhere. And I believe God just like, he either blinded those guys or those people were angels to begin with. Okay? Because they stole all of our sound equipment and our people were angry. They were mad. They were freaking out. They were praying and cussing in the same sentence. Some of you still do that. I know. And it was like, if we could find those guys, we, we would beat the devil out of them. Confrontational evangelism. You're ready to meet Jesus? You got 30 seconds to get saved or you're going to hell because I'm sending you there. That's kind of the attitude that we all had. And I was with them. I had to get up and be like the pastor. They God will provide. Don't worry. Nothing surprises God. All the stuff they teach in seminary. But I kind of wanted to be more like their side. We're going we're gonna to beat the devil out of these people if we could ever get them. So I went home that day and I called 11 friends. Georgia, Tallahassee, Tampa, Miami. Friends and relatives said, could you please send us $100? Why 11? Why 100? 
is we had seen a, a sound system up in Deltona of one of these churches that only lasted a year and went out of business. They were liquidating everything. The trustee from that church showed it, opened up his garage. It was a brand-new PV system, six months old, and I uh, had all the speakers, all the soundboards, all the, all the everything. And uh, he says, we only owe $1,100, not that's what we need. But you know what? That was the week before, and $1,100 seemed like $11 million. We didn't have our whole sound system, our whole sound, all of the equipment in our church was $200. So for $1,100, we had to pass. There was just no way we could do that. Now, as I, wrote, as I called my friends and said, if you can send us the $1,100, we'll go buy that sound system. I kid you not, within, within 48 hours, I had FedEx envelope after envelope after envelope. And $2,400 came in the mail. They told two friends, and they told two friends, and some little Sunday school class of little ladies that I've never met sent us $100. So we went and bought this new sound system, set it all up. We guarded it that next Sunday, stepped in the parking lot with my gun. I know it bothers some of you. Um, I grew up a little redneck. So... Because nobody else, you know, we weren't taking any chances. And God for, and listen, when I told everybody what had happened, their faith soared like crazy. We ended up getting kicked out of the out of the gym, and we ended up at the at the um, the movie theater. We were the the church in the movie theater for three and a half years. It was the cheapest rent of any movie theater in all of in all of Florida for general cinema. It's over in Lake Mary, behind Chili's. Um, I think it's a it's a, some kind of LA fitness or workout place now, um, and it was a great place because in the movie theater everybody had their own cup holder for their coffee. Everybody had you know uh, it, it was comfortable. Um, we would set up early. They eventually gave us storage. So all the kids were out in the lobby. All the nursery was around milk duds and good and plenty and. We, y'all, we traded we traded funeral smells and aerobic studio smells for buttered popcorn smells, and we would have stayed in the movie theater forever until God spoke. He spoke to me in the shower about switching with the church that was meeting in a, in Wilson Elementary School. I'm like, but God, we don't want to leave the movie theater. They have 14 bathrooms. It's so nice. And um, but I knew it was God talking. I called the pastor there, Sammy Han, said, Hey. Uh, would you consider swapping with us? The first words out of his mouth were weird. They were, how many bathrooms do you have? And I'm like, 14. He said, we've been praying for more bathrooms. They literally had 300 people in only two bathrooms at Wilson in their cafetorium. That's a man-made word. Um, it's a cafeteria with a stage. And uh, they would they were sing, Lord, I lift your name on high, and then slide over one and go to, while they were doing worship while they were in line for the bathroom. So he wanted to switch right away. We moved into the... We moved into the school. I'll tell you some school uh, stories next week. But God, while we were at the school, he blended us with First Lake Mary, several families, the Bearings, Gene Brown, Glenn Fleming, the Twilligers, all were, all were there. Um, and we began looking for land when they tried to kick us out of the school. Uh, we started looking for land. I'll tell you those, some of those stories next week, but let me let you know. Um, while we were at the school, we started raising money for this piece of land that we're on. We lost two other pieces, and um, I thought we were going to lose this one because this piece of property was only for sale for six hours. Now, land in this area was going for 35000 an acre. That's what we were probably looking for. When I called on this, it was four and a half acres for uh, $80,000. When you do the math, we paid 
get this, look at how many sevens, $17,777.77. They're like, woo, do, 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 do. And I was worried because I thought we're going to lose this one too because by the time the church votes on something, it would get stolen. Nancy's dad, he said, he said, call the realtor right now and tell him we want to be the first people on the property. And I'm like, I don't know what the big rush is. Our church, we're going to lose it. Church isn't going to be able to vote on it. And, um, but we were. Six hours, it was on the market. We were here. And Nancy's mom and dad said, we're going to buy it for the church. We'll buy it on an assignable contract. If the church votes on it next week or the week after to, to take it, they can have it. If not, we'll turn it, we'll flip it, and we'll give all that profit um, because it was half price. It was half price of what was going. So that's how we got the land. When we had this first chest of Joash offering, we had probably 40 people, maybe 50 people at the time, and we made a pledge. We brought cash and gifts and we made a pledge over three years. I'll tell you about that next week. But I'm telling you, that first, this is November. This is Thanksgiving of 1998. Um, that's like 24 years ago. When we looked in the, uh, the, this is the same chest, the same chest of Joash, those 40, 50 people, no fat cats. This is like teachers and letter carriers and lawn cutters and just regular people. There was jewelry in there tons of gold chains i i called it the mr t starter set i mean it was like holy cow look you know and um and there was one one of the rednecks put the title to his bass boat now you know god's moving when a redneck gives up a bass boat right um we had josh put in his piggy bank and it had over a hundred chuck e cheese tokens in it in cash total we had thirty thousand dollars in that one sunday we raised thirty thousand dollars cash, plus another hundred and thirty thousand in pledges, and with that thirty thousand, it was eighty thousand plus ten to close, ninety thousand, and then the Baptist, Florida Baptist, um, Seminole Baptist, and Westview Baptist Church donated another sixty thousand dollars. So this is Hug a Baptist Week. If you got any relatives that are Baptist, you go give them a hug this week and say, "This hug's from Pastor Jerry. Thank you so much." Okay, no strings attached. They gave us 60000 we raised thirty, and we bought this land free and clear. I'll tell you about all those stories. Listen, you're not going to want to miss next week. I've got the million-dollar eagle miracle. I've got the miracle of the, of the children's building, how God had two people, two people in the wrong place at the wrong time who turned out to be the right place at the right time and the biggest miracle in the life of our church at that particular moment. Um, I've got several other miracles um, that I'll tell you about next week. But make no mistake about it, either these are all coincidences or God's alive and well, and he's in the miracle business. And if you've lived through them like I've lived through them, it's an easy decision to make to realize only God could do some of the crazy things that he's done. Wait till I tell you about the turtles versus the eagles next week. Um, the turtle miracle, eagle miracle is crazy. I hope that you'll be here. Let me pray and thank God right now. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for getting us this far and with the assurance you'll never, never, never leave us. And we just submit all of these miracles as evidence that you are alive and well and you're involved in our lives. And we realize that you don't need us, we need you. But we thank you for using us and doing these in our lives. Help these stories strengthen our faith, strengthen our belief in your faithfulness, and help us to realize that... Uh, and we can face anything that this world throws at us if we're just following you 
and doing what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi, it's Mel. I hope hearing some of these stories reminded you of how faithful our God is. Be sure to be with us again next week to learn more about even more occasions when God met our needs in an amazing way. Enjoy your Sunday. See ya.